horror with a wolf and a mummy. Something is happening. Something terrible. And we're back with true horror with a wolf and a mummy. Where every week we fill your brain full of interesting horror facts and true crime. And I'm Wolf Turner, horror director as well as horror film connoisseur. I am your host, The Mummy, a former scream queen and counselor turned mummy. And don't forget to stay until the end. This week, our true crime story is amazing. I cannot wait to talk about it. It has infidelity. It has murder mystery. It has paranormal events. It has a Batman. So it's just got everything all happening in the... A Batman. (laughs) All happening in the roaring 1920s. So it is so much fun. Don't forget to stay till that. A Marvel DC (laughs) DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. The story that we're talking about today, um, Stephen King has written and said that it is one of his most favorite stories that he has ever written. Um, I personally think the main villain in it sucks. <laughs> so what story are we talking about today? What movie are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about not just any movie. We're not talking about some normal average horror movie. We're talking about the best damn vampire movie ever made. My favorite movie, Salem's Lot. Oh, love Salem's Lot. It is so good. For all you ghouls and gals out there that has never seen the 1979 Salem's Lot, this film is about successful writer Ben, who returns to his hometown, Jerusalem's Lot, Salem's Lot for short. He's expecting to write a new novel about the Marston House. Ben believes that the manor is an evil house that attracts evil men, since the place has so many tragic stories. And Ben saw a ghostly creature inside the house when he was 10 years old. Ben finds that the Marston house has just been rented to antique dealers Richard K. Starker and his partner Kurt Barlow that is permanently traveling. Ben meets the divorced teacher Susan that is living with her parents and they have a love affair. Ben also gets close to the father of Dr. Bill Norton and his former school teacher Jason. When people start to die, Ben believes that the Starker's partner is a vampire. But how to convince his friends that he's just not crazy and that he tells the truth? This film taught me how you can make a cross out of anything and no matter what your dreams are, you can always pursue them. And it also taught me every small town has a secret. Some a little bit bigger than others. Who knows, maybe your town has a vampire. And if you're hunting vampires, you always need an outdoor jeep for any off-roading you may need. It teaches you never to open up a window for your friends when you live on a second or third floor. And lastly, not all vampires shine with beauty. I feel like every time we do this podcast, I'm like, this is my favorite movie. I'm so excited. It's the best (laughs) movie ever. But no, I'm serious. This and Evil Dead is like, uh, they, they go back and forth, but I think Salem's <laughs> Lot always takes the cake. It's just insane. It is hard to 
have that as your favorite movie because when you talk to someone about Salem's Lot and they're like, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's Salem's Lot. And they're like, oh, I love that movie. I love baseball and the children and <laughs> the dog. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no. Oh, this- my gosh. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. With Dude, vampires. Totally. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your favorite movie? Oh, it's this 1979 TV movie. <laughs> it's not even this like debut theatrical release. <laughs> right. <laughs> and at the time was like a fairly unknown director. I mean, writer. Tell us a little bit about this unknown writer. When Stephen King wrote this, he was only 28 years old and he was still a high school teacher. So, um,. He wrote it because he had seen Dracula and thought, hmm, what if, because at the time, most of the stories about Dracula were period pieces and, you know, it was just the typical Dracula. But he thought, what if we took Dracula and we brought him to America? Like, that would be awesome. And so he was talking to his wife about it and she was, he was like, what do you think? And she was like, I think he would get hit by a car when he got out, you know, and, and he was like, oh yeah, you're right. And he just kept thinking about it. He was like, yeah, but what if Dracula came to like a small town, you know, Stephen King loves his small towns. And that's why he liked this book so much because it was totally about the small town and the people in it. And that's what he really cared about. So he talks about how Salem's Lot really has not a lot to do with the vampire, but more about the vampire's meat. So it's more about the people. And that's why it's titled Salem's Lot and not, you know, Bartow's evilness or something. (laughs) I don't know. Well, growing up in a small town, I would say that that was definitely a scary thing for me. I... I would, I was always told as a young age that monsters were real and things like that, um, being messed with, with the adults. I read that this movie actually just inspired so many other movies like The Lost Boys, like Fright Night. Yeah, it's interesting, the two movies that we just did, Evil Dead and this one, um, have really inspired other movies because I think you talked about in the last one that it was like you've heard of other cabin movies but this was the OG you know this is the OG vampire movie this is the one that you know changed you know Dracula from being you know in this castle in an unknown place to like Dracula can be in your backyard and that was that's what terrified people so much was just like, oh, this can really happen. And they kind of made it seem more like vampirism was a virus more than just a, you know, something, you know, that could never happen. So he really made it, like, hit home for a lot of people. And, you know, you talk about it being him not being in a castle. I still watching this felt, you know, being in a moderate, you know, normal American society, we didn't have a big house. We had a one-story house. So him living in Salem's Lot, even though it's a normal uh, small town, I still felt like that was a mansion house. That was like the mansion on the hill, kind of like an Adams Family, uh, Bates Motel, 
So what's so interesting about the house is in the movie, it seems so scary, so ominous. And then you find out it's really just this average house that is on the hill, but they rented it out from the people that um, lived there. And then most of it is just the outside is just props to make it look like this big, scary house. So that, I mean, yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. That they built a house and laid it against an, another house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's mainly like just like a billboard in front of a house is what it was. And oh I think they gosh. spent like $100,000 doing this. But which back then was like huge. <laughs> a lot of money. But you got to realize how much it would have cost to do the whole entire set, which they do That's sometimes. True. I think That's they true. had a $4 million budget, which is like roughly 14 million now and that's nothing for a series like you know like they have they had to you know cut corners it seems like a whole lot of money but when you're thinking of like a three hour long i think it was actually long. how much how long was the tv uh three hours and 10 minutes yeah something like that yeah, yeah. And which so- in itself is like Wow. You know, and that I think that's why I love it so much, because normally when you have books that are made into movies, they cram it down into two hours. But there was just so many different plot lines going in this movie so that they had it as a three hour movie. is like, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Speaking of the uh, the house scenes in the house. So my favorite line in it is when they're talking about they're discussing how uh evil things can attract evil people that was so intriguing to me i was just blown away that i i never read the book i don't know if that's in the book i'm not a book reader and i truly 100 percent believe that and which makes me think like is this movie more of a vampire movie or a haunted house movie because in it they do talk about how there's a you know Susan's dad talked about how in the house he saw the original owner's ghost. Um, the original owner was like an evil man and they allude to like he had molested children and he was just awful and then he commits suicide and then his ghost is seen. So that the house already started off with like evil things happening in it. And, you know, Ben goes back because because of the house. So is it a haunted house movie? Is it a vampire movie? So they they see there's a scene in it. He talks about how he sees the man hanging. What would you do if you saw someone dead? You always ask me the hardest questions that I'm not prepared for. Like <laughs> That's the best time to answer them. Those are the real answers. What would I do if I saw somebody hanging? I would uh, have a panic attack and throw up. I... Okay, yeah, so you have a panic attack, you throw up, then it's gone. Now what? Okay, (laughs) then I call my family and a priest and move to another state. I love that you don't call the police. (laughs) That's not There's a dead body, police, nope. No No way, priest, first speed dial right now. Well, I mean, because the police are going to be like, okay, you're going to stay in the mental hospital. We're going to, you know, we're going to admit you for at least three days. And yeah, no. I mean, I know when it comes to paranormal that you do not involve the police. Like you involve everybody else but the police. Yeah. 
That's the one thing you learned, isn't it? Okay, what I want to talk about is this month is August. And okay. to me, that it's my favorite month. It's my birthday month. Um, at On my birthday, August 27th, I like to decorate for Halloween. Like, that's just when I start decorating. I'm like, okay, it's Halloween season now officially. And to find out that this month in China is the month that they believe, I think it was I think August 8th, is when they believe the gates of hell open up and ghosts can, you know, wander around your house and the world. Um, and that happens for one month. That's, and that's creepy. just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anybody else they do, do that, that to themselves. <laughs> I know, like a whole month. At least, you know, in the Celtic, you know, belief that it's just like one night. Give but, themselves yeah, a, a Friday the 13th, not a whole Friday the 31 yeah. months. <laughs> yeah. 31 days in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of things you can't do, like you're not supposed to move or, um, you know, so how there's a belief that things can attach themselves to people. Do you believe that? Like that there's demons that can attach or poltergeists that can attach themselves to you? Or do you think it's more like I hope not. they're We've attached to the house? We've talked about it in previous podcasts that I'm scared of that shit. <laughs> that I've seen the stuff that's supposed to do that to you. And right. <laughs> that freaking Shudder movie. Yeah. So the guy's attached to her shoulders. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I do not want a ghost. Like, I have enough back problems that it, as it is. Like, I do not need a ghost yeah. on me at all times, weighing me down. I already got a few pounds going. <laughs> Funny. Let me tell you what happened in our house the other night because it was super creepy. Um, tell me and- all about it. Okay, so the day that I found out that the gates of hell have opened up and ghosts can get in your house, um, some freaky stuff started going on here. Well, freaky stuff already happens at this house that we live in currently right now. And I know you've heard it, um, so I'm not the only one. (laughs) But I was asleep um, in my bedroom and with my two kids in there, and my husband came up. And was like, oh, I heard y'all come down the stairs. What's going on? And we were like dead to the world asleep. And I was like, no, nobody, nobody came down the stairs. And he was like, oh, okay. That's, you know, that's weird. But we're used to that. That's, that's completely normal in this house. Happens all the time. But then we go to go to sleep and our um, temperature gauge, if you touch it, it like illuminates and lights up the room. So we lay down and we hear a noise and then the temperature gauge door opens and the room illuminates and lights up. And then we both just look at each other and laugh and we're just like, there's that ghost. you know. And it oh was just kind of like, gosh. yeah, it was terrifying. Like, I mean, nothing bad's ever happened, but yeah, that was the creepiest thing ever. Because, like, you saw it open. You saw the light. Like, nobody was in there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I haven't even told you about this. <laughs> Two nights ago, um, um, my ring goes off, and I look at it, and there's this thing jumping up and down, up and down, up and down. It's not an animal. I don't know if it's... I don't know what it was, but it scared the Jesus out of me. And then when I went outside and I turned on the light, it was gone, like, instantly. It's like, right when I opened the door, boom gone left 
I already told you, like, that freaks me out when, see, like, I'm thinking of it now, like, being recorded, and there's, like, probably, like, an orb or something <laughs> behind yep. me, you know, and yep. I don't know it. <laughs> but it's just things Freaking that ghost goats, me. what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, speaking of Salem, Salem's Lot, going back to what we were saying, um, and, like, what it could have been called, um... Stephen King thought that maybe he should call this movie The Second Coming because Ben goes back to home, like he's coming back home, um, and things start to happen. So he told his wife, which I love this. He, like, talks to his wife a lot <laughs> about things and, and bounces stuff off of her. So he's like, what do you think about The Second Coming? And she was like, it sounds like a really bad porno. <laughs> so I just thought that was hilarious. Like, high five Stephen King's wife. <laughs> like, that, was, that was pretty funny. hey this is a great time for people like myself that are huge Salem's Lot fans because we didn't really get anything from Salem's Lot for so many years. And now they're making a prequel, which looks unbelievable. And the trailer just dropped a few weeks ago. And this is on TV again, right? Yes. This is a, a new television okay. show. But then they're remaking it. With James Wan, my favorite freaking director in the world, even though he produces now, but whatever, you know, that's how it goes. So we're just going to ignore the 2004 remake that TNT did with Rob Lowe. I was so um, excited about that one. I was like, <laughs> right? yes, they're remaking it. This is going to be amazing. Uh, yeah. Watched it with dad and we, uh-huh. you know, stayed up late went for the premiere, came on, watched it, and we were like what is this yeah are you serious we waited it was garbage and for such a like it's such a fan who waited for so long yeah and what sucks is like in 2004 you didn't have you know where you could like dvr it or you know record it or anything like you legitimately had to make sure like at like eight o'clock you were in front of the TV. You didn't have anything else scheduled. Well, and- like, yeah, you're right. And, like, yeah. this is, like, for months. Like, this was yeah. planned, you know? Yeah. you hear about it and you're like, oh, my God, premieres. And you hear it every time, like, you know, in three weeks, in two weeks, in one week. And you just get so excited. And then it's just, like, this awful ride that you've been sitting and waiting for for five hours. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> And, like, didn't they make Barlow completely different? Like, he was not the horror vampire that we've come to love and know. Like, he was, you know, more classic and I'm going to say yes, honestly. Yeah. I had no interest in watching it ever again after that. And I was 14 years old. (laughs) Uh And I don't remember. That was, you know. A long time ago. (laughs) 16 years ago. (laughs) I'm going to say that, but... (laughs) Your age is showing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it was 16 years ago. So. Oh, my gosh. Let's not even go there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. So, yeah. <laughs> let's go backwards then. And so, Salem's Lot. There was yeah. a Salem's Lot too. Did you ever watch it? I did not. Do you want to hear I heard something it was bad. funny about that? Yes. The first time I ever watched Salem's Lot was at our grandmother's at this table where we all used to eat salt. <laughs> I know that sounds really oh. weird. 
And like, I don't know if other children did this, but like, it took so long for our food to come in that sometimes we would get bored and we would sprinkle a little salt on our hands and lick it. And we'd all take turns doing that. Jessica and Josh and Sarah and Caroline and Andrew and everybody. So it's like, I feel like it's one of those things where your family does weird things and then you don't realize it's weird till you talk to other people and they're like, that's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's kind of I... But with that said, <laughs> I did not know there was a Salem's Lot 2. And yeah. I'd watched it. It wasn't in the movie store. I basically knew every movie that was at our movie store. Every horror film watched it in order. Every night we would go and get one. That wasn't there. Didn't know it existed. It wasn't like internet back then. I was very young at the time. And I was so excited when I saw it come on on TV. It's weird that it wasn't at the movie store because it had a theatrical release. Unlike Salem's Lot, which is another weird thing because they don't ever do it that way. It's always the opposite. It's like they never do a TV movie and then the sequels at the It might be a theatrical release and then the second one's a TV movie. Yeah. And then when they released Salem's Lot... So they released it in other countries um, and shortened it. And one of the titles for it is Phantasm 2. Which is ridiculous. Uh, there, there had to have been some kind of weird <laughs> like transition. No Phantasm 1? Like, yeah. I don't get that. Sorry, I, guess, I did not mean to interrupt your story. No, they right. just, I guess they watched that and then they were like, okay. They watched Phantasm and they were like, okay, let's do the sequel. Yeah. This is the sequel we've been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> but you saw them that you were at grandmother's. You, uh, yeah, grandma. I was there. I watched it. So yeah. excited. Sat there. I think I was by myself that day. I don't yeah. know where y'all, y'all are flolicking around the yards. <laughs> and I was so disappointed in it. Oh. And I love bad movies, but this was just nothing like the first one. I was excited about the adventure with Ben and and what shenanigans they're going to get into. And he's like following, you know, the, the vampires. And it yeah. was completely different storyline. It was like a different movie. So they're not in Guatemala. They're not. Yeah. It's not even Ben, right? It's the, still the town. And now they're like a vampire community. Right? That- yeah. So weird. <laughs> so when you first told me about this, I was like, oh, well, tell me about it. Because I've never seen it. Tell me a little bit about it. And I, like, when you said a vampire community and politics and stuff, like, that made me think of True Blood. And <laughs> you're like, no, that's, no, it's nothing like True Blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there was no Bill. There was no Suki. There was no, there was no, no Eric. Eric. <laughs> Speaking of Eric, his brother played Pennywise, right? And a lot of people think that Pennywise is the vampire right like Could there's be. some there's some people because you know he likes to cross over his characters and pennywise you know there was a couple of scenes where he was like vampiric and um there was blood on people and so people are like mm, maybe maybe you know the two are connected but people i mean and he does he likes to connect the two 
um, in the the dark towers. I think there's some nuns in it that are vampires, which I always thought was interesting. And then that made me think of New Orleans when we went and uh, heard about the nuns there. That was always like creeped me out. As a kid, I thought this was the most amazing thing in the world. It's like a basically some kind of it's like a vampire repellent. And that's what I always thought it was. Yeah, it's so cool because like I feel like uh, I would give it to my friends and be like, oh, this was handed down from generations to generations in our family. And just my great grand great aunt gave it to me. Uh, <laughs> but to me, it was like, yeah, this is through the family. And it's cool because I'd hand it to him and they, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's just a cross. But if you pull him out, it's a secret compartment that opens up. You can put this here. The cross up. It's got holy water. It's got candles. It's got prayers. You put the candles here. You got the holy water there. You're freaking set. Any freaking vampires come through, they're done. So I was at church, and at our church, we have these um, crosses that you can stake into the ground. And I grabbed one to bring home, and then I was holding it on my way home, and I was like, why have people never used this in vampire movies? Because it's literally a stake with a cross on it. So when they're driving the stake into the heart, why don't they have it in the shape of a cross? That, I'm keeping that, I mean, I'm going to keep that also for, to put in my yard, but also, like, if we need it, I'm not going to lie. I keep salt on hand. I'm going to keep this cross on hand, you know, just to get, it's, you know, in the world today, you never know. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of the scene in Salem's Lot when the kids, uh, the, the boy's friend is outside the window and he's floating, scratching at it, and he grabs the cross. When, when you're talking about the little boy that turned into the vampire, um, if you were the brother that was in the hospital and I came and I'm scratching on your window, are you going to let me in? Are you going to? That is a very good question, Kim. I love you asked that because I have a lot of questions and I feel like if you were a vampire, <laughs> uh -huh. you would 100% be there to not eat me because i feel like you would do that to someone else it's like to be like yo right. this stuff's like the bomb like come check it out i'm freaking floating right. you know what i mean like i don't think you would be there to yeah to, yeah to kill me you're there to like turn me right. in a good way yeah so you would immediately let me in absolutely just... not <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely oh my not. Gosh. Okay. No, no. We're gonna sit there for a while. I'll be like, can you? How long can you float? What's what's the what's the thing with that? Do you have a limit? Like, can you only do it for thirty seconds? Can you sit there for a while? So there's gonna be a ton of questions. Like, you're gonna have like a pro and con list. Like, okay, this is it, and I'm gonna be yeah, like cons. Yes, I'm gonna. Cons. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, so first off, I know that you can't come in here, right? And you'll be like, well, I would already came in. Yeah. And we're like, okay, good. <laughs> so we're settled here. You can't come in. What hurts? You know, I think that would be the first thing. Does it hurt when you turn? Does it hurt? Are you hungry? Can do you want to eat other stuff? Do you have to poop or pee? Like, what's that situation? I can't. 
can't even. Oh, I don't I even know if that would deter me or not, but I would still want to know the answer, <laughs> right. even though like it doesn't affect my. Yeah. Like, are you constantly cold? Do you want a blanket all the time? You know, yeah. like. And I like the cold, so I'd be down for that. I'd be like, okay. right. I like the or, cold. And I think I would deal well with being a vampire because I like staying up late. I like. I can't go out in the sun anyway. I mean, I get burnt. Like, I walk out. I walked from the doctor's office to my car yesterday, and I got sunburnt. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Particular, I'm not you even lying. I, I know. I know. So, yeah, I think I could deal with it because I feel like I kind of, you know, I'm redheaded. People already say I'm soulless. <laughs> so, oh I mean. Oh, my gosh. So, for, for your, so those are some cons. I mean, some pros. Those are some pros. But my con, I think I would be like, well, our friends seem to think that I'm a little bit of a pain in the neck. <laughs> hey <laughs> Oh, That's so, true. Yeah. That's true. You <laughs> totally become a douchebag when you're a vampire. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so would you turn Banjo if you became a vampire? Would you, would you turn him? or? I would turn Banjo. I need a hellhound. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. I would, would turn, you turn little... your children. <laughs> I would turn Sebastian. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Sebastian is dog. my fifteen-year-old little Yorkie. That is just—he's a little old grumpy man now. <laughs> so to say he's a hellhound would be. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, he's turn... already a little grumpy hellhound. What would he, <laughs> he be? Is. I don't know. <laughs> But I turn my kids. You ask the hardest questions that I am not prepared for. Um, I would turn them, but not at this age because Interview with a Vampire taught me that little kids don't need to be vampires. So I would at least let them be like legal age so they could drive, they could rent a car, they could drink, you know. Do so. you feel safe having your children in your house while you're a blood-sucking vampire while you wait 16 years for them to change <laughs> to that age. I feel like they would be safer than anything. Like, you know, like, I don't feel like I would attack them, and I would keep other people from attacking them. So if somebody invaded our house, boom, mama's gonna suck their blood, you know? So I see no okay. I see no bad things in that. Alright. Alright. <laughs> There's so many varieties of vampires, you know, you got there the, some that, like, they just have to drink blood. Like, there's no, yeah. like, yeah. You know what I mean? There's no uh, lost yeah. boys situation where you right. can go to dinner with them. Yeah. Things like that. And I always wonder, like, with werewolves, too, because some werewolves are self-aware when they uh -huh. become a werewolf, and then some aren't, you know? Yeah. Because it seemed like in um, Silver Bullet, like, he was self-aware, like, he knew who, because he was, you know, he attacked certain people. So Barlow... When it comes to him, I feel like he, like, really was methodical in who he attacked. Because, you know, when the couple was having the affair, he attacked the man, the real estate agent. And, like, that was smart of him. And even though he's very smart, I think he's a jerk. Because I think he's incapable of self-reflection. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> But I'll say something about about our vampire man, dude, Deuterino. A lot of people had questions. And I did too, and I had to look it up. When you cannot 
invite the vampires in when they when the friend and brother comes to the windows they don't they, they're not allowed in but barlow comes to the house and kills the parents and he was not he was not asked to come in he just came in alone everyone was like why is that and Stephen King says it's because he is the lead head vampire. He is not stopped by these small little level rules that normal vampires apply to. That's scary. That's creepy. So if he doesn't have these rules that other vampires have because he's the head vampire, like what the heck? I didn't even know any of that, and I didn't think about that, but that's terrifying. Like, at least when I think about vampires, I'm like, oh, I can have my cross, I can have my garlic, I can have my mirror. It's not going to stop them, but I don't know why I even said that. It reminds me of the movie Vampires. The only thing that kills him is daylight, and this cross is the only thing that can... If he gets it, he's invincible. He's unstoppable. Yeah. Which reminds me of Barlow. Oh, he's terrible. He's he's disgusting looking. And then they talk. I love him. Yeah. You know, people are always scared of the window scene, but no, he is the <laughs> scariest thing about this. That's what makes it my favorite vampire yeah. movie is yeah. because of the way he is and the way he looks. It's so like original. It's not this you know good looking Brad Pitt Tom Cruise vampire. This thing is like Jesus Christ, yeah. like. You've seen better days, yeah. bro. I think the window scene is just because it's like the little boy's so innocent and then yet so terrifying and yeah. that oxymoron again of like, oh god. But no, it's I agree. True. Like it's Barto true. Barlow I agree, Barlow is just disgusting. Children like, are scary in general. Yeah. And that scene they didn't use wires for that special effect. They used a crane, which was interesting. Oh gosh. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Very, that's, that's why we watch the show to learn these things. <laughs> yeah. So Barlow, I mean, he was disgusting looking, and um, the the makeup though that they did on him, it took so long and it was so hard to do, and it was just the lights and the camera. I, I'm sure you know, like filming. I didn't realize like how quickly it just like tears stuff up you know just like heats it up and his makeup would just be cracking and so they were just constantly redoing his makeup I and think then, it was every take oh this God. every single take which i don't know if you know like there could be a, a bunch of takes stanley kubrick made tom cruise shut the same door a hundred times oh god you know they were nominated for an emmy for that makeup no i did not yep. oh my gosh yep 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 yeah, that's freaking awesome. I love that. Another thing that I love about this movie is the cinematographer was also worked on Return of the Living Dead. Really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, George A. Romero was actually, you know, connected to this film. I did not know that. Yeah, I think he was uh, I think he was going to direct it, but then he didn't want it to be, be part of it. When it became a TV movie, he didn't feel like that was the right um route yeah yeah because that would be a lot more restrictions and so every week and this is not an official thing we do but we just tend to kind of go into turner talk 
<laughs> where we talk about the Turner family or our childhood and the adventures that we have had. So um, I'm just going to do it again because I like it and it's fun. And if you didn't already know, me and Wolf are brother and sister. <laughs> so it's just fun to go back to our childhood. Um, and I was talking to one of our cousins this week. We have a lot of cousins and they are amazing. So my cousin Emily and I and her mom were talking this week and you had brought up this point earlier and I thought it was an amazing point about how houses might have bring evil, like attract evil. And they were telling me about their house, which we went to a hundred times growing up. Um, and at their house, they've had, I think, 10 to 15 wrecks in their yard and numerous people die in their yard. And also, at that same time, weird stuff going on in their house. And so she was like saying, you know, it's almost like there's this thing, you know, bringing this evil, you know, because I mean, I would assume to me, wrecks are evil, you know, um, bringing this here. And so I thought that was like really interesting. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know how I feel about it. I'm really honestly, I'm honestly trying to think about it. And I think it's possible. Okay, I might be misquoting, but I think she also brought up Indian burial grounds. So say there is an Indian burial ground there uh -huh. of some, you know, sacramental place. And then that's bringing in all the bad things happening, all the wrecks and the deaths and stuff. Man, I totally believe in things like that. Like... And then the deaths and stuff can make paranormal. I mean, I guess so. I guess you're right. I mean, if there's opposites attract, magnets, why not some kind of supernatural be a way where they connect? In some kind of form, some kind of thing we don't see or feel, but they do. Yeah. So this is my favorite part of the episode. When we talk about the true crime that relates to the movie. So I like to look at it and see, is there any true crime that this movie is based on or any true crime stories that were similar to events that happened in the movie? And I always found that so fascinating. And like I said, it is my favorite part. Fact or fiction? Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love that show, though. I did too. That was a great show. Okay, true crime. Let's talk here. Let's talk. The one thing that's that I think about with true crime is it was cool that Barlow killed woman that was having a affair and her husband comes home with a gun. He beats her. You know, this is a good scenario for framing someone else. Is there anything that you know or are able to find about that? It's similar. Okay, so this one was very interesting because I tried to find a case where there was an affair and then a vampire came in and killed the people having the affair. Wait, what? Wait, but... did you say that there was a real <laughs> or are you vampire that came in? Well, I tried to find a case like that. And the case I found is not that exact scenario, but it is so freaking interesting. So the story ends wait, wait, mysteriously. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Tell it okay. like you're at a campfire. Okay. And you're trying to scare children. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Midnight Society. Yes, that's what I was wanting. <laughs> so, the story ends mysteriously. It ends with a man dead, a lady locked in a closet 
with the key downstairs and an intruder that no one can find. That doesn't sound scary enough in itself. Spooky. But I know when you start hearing about the events that led up to this, you're like, whoa, what the crap? So we're in the 1920s and there's a man and a woman who live in their house. They don't have kids. It's just the two of them. And I would say for about nine years, paranormal stuff keeps happening at their house. I mean, noises, the husband's cigars keep getting moved, like things are just never in the same place. The husband is just freaked out. I mean, this is happening for nine years, just weird things happening all the time. So after nine years of just this weird, freaky stuff happening, he tells his wife, okay, we need to move. I don't know if they moved because of the paranormal stuff, but they moved. They're going to move to LA. So they move. And this is where we had talked about earlier. Do things attach to people? Because in this case, maybe. Because they moved to LA and I'll be darned if the same paranormal stuff wasn't happening again. Noises, things getting moved, like freaky stuff happening. And then there was the murder. Well, how did this happen? I'll tell you how this happened. The man's wife was a sex fiend. (laughs) That's how it happened. So... Her husband was a factory owner, and one day she went down to the factory at 33 years old and saw a young man working on the sewing machines there, a 17-year-old young man, and she was like, "Mm, I want that. Yes, yes, I'm going to call in and get that ordered to my house. So she calls her husband's factory, and she's like, hey, you know that 17-year-old that works there on machines? Uh, My sewing machine's broke, so I need him to, to come fix it. So he came to her house. Now he's 17. Um, It was written that he had not really been around women. He wasn't very socially, you know, just hadn't been experienced in the ways of women. So he went and he started working on her machine. Meanwhile, all she's dressed in is a robe and stockings. And while he's working on the machine, she starts taking the robe and stockings off. And they end up in bed together, sleeping together. Well, they continue their affair, but it's the 1920s. There's no TV. There's no internet. Neighbors are nosy. (laughs) So they start noticing that the wife is leaving at certain times a day a lot and or there's a man coming to her house at certain times a day and her husband's starting to get suspicious because people are talking. So she decides, okay, you know what would be great? I will take my lover and just move him into our house. So she talks to him and she's like, hey, do you want to come live in my attic and just be my sex lover? (laughs) He was like, sounds good to me. So he wanted to be a writer anyway. So during the day, he would clean the house, sweep, do the dishes, do the wife. And then at night when the husband came home, he would go upstairs. And that continued for nine years. Meanwhile, the wife isn't only just having an affair with this man, but she had an affair with the milkman, the mailman, the meat delivery man. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yeah. And the man living upstairs had a peephole that he could watch while she, you know, was promiscuous with other people. So, I mean, she was, whew, Yeah. Um, So when they moved to L.A., the husband, he liked to drink. So one night he was drinking a lot, and when he drank, he got violent. So he started getting violent with the wife. 
and the lover could hear all this going on and saw him, you know, messing with his lover. And so he came downstairs and shot the husband three times. Um, the wife and the lover decided to stage it to make it look like a robbery. And um, so they named the man upstairs the Batman. And um, she eventually got caught, but um, it's loose lips sink ships. She told a lover, another lover, what happened. And he ended up, you know, telling what happened. But yeah, so it was just... Had all kinds of stuff going on in this true crime story. Jesus Christ. Well, you know. I know. Yeah, vampires are known as Batmans or Batman. Yeah, I know. I know. That is a good combo. I like how you found yeah. that. That's crazy. I know. I know. And how crazy. Like, she was just, like, getting around town. Like, it's crazy. In the 1920s. I mean, I was like, whoa. That's scandal. scandalous. Yeah. It's funny that you found this about a killer that they called Batman because in Salem's Lot, when Barlow goes for his first victim in the film, it's a child in the woods. And when it reveals him, it looks just like Batman to me. I always thought that watching it, I was like, oh, wow, like that is such a Batman figure. It's really funny how they decided to go at it without revealing what he looks like and it's kind of cheesy but to me it's it's kind of nostalgic to me well i've got one last question for you kim okay so nervous if we were in a town full of vampires what would be your route to get rid of all of them what would be my what my route yeah what would you want to do to get rid of all these vampires I mean, I think you, I like to research. <laughs> so, I mean, I would want to find out, you know, is there a head vampire that we need to kill that's going to kill all the others? Um, so when you say research, to... you're wanting us to like go undercover. Yeah. That's, that's, that's going to get us killed possibly. Well, then we would get people that would research oh, for us. we'd sacrifice <laughs> like, our friends. Well, I mean, you know, like, and I, I hate to keep, I keep to keep referring to True Blood, but there's people that, like, hang out at, like, Fangoria, you know, yeah. that just, like, are into that, you know, I'm sure we could find somebody that I was like, hey, you like vampires? Yeah. Like, want to go, you might possibly become one or get eaten, and I'm, I mean, you can find people that. That's true, we just have to be careful stuff. that they wouldn't give us. Ride us the, out. Exactly. I know, it's hard. I guess if you didn't want to research, then you just burn it down. I pictured you burn just being down. like, what are you talking about? I'm going to become one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Vampire... I mean, you know this. Vampires are my favorite. My favorite. Yeah. Favorite. So, I mean, I wouldn't be upset. If we became a, the only thing that would upset me becoming a vampire is like if none of my friends or family were vampires. Yeah. I would not want to live a life where like I saw everybody die and I didn't. Absolutely. But if I could like keep like like have my like family be vampires and I would just like wear y'all down to the point where you're like, fine, I'll be a vampire. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so even if you didn't want to. <laughs> 
Well, I loved this. You know, obviously, this is my favorite film. I think we should uh, come back once the remake is comes out and the prequel show, which is already mm-hmm. looks amazing. So yes. excited for that one. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm already going to give it two thumbs up. And I haven't even seen it. <laughs> two thumbs up on the trailer. <laughs> yeah, the trailer is amazing. It's fantastic. So we should have a episode on probably both. You know, episode on yeah. the remake and episode on the prequel. Yeah. If you're up for it. This was a great episode. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. Love talking about. Me too. Just love... I was just going to say, if anybody has any suggestions or wants to hear anything specific about true crimes or, you know, a true crime movie or any movie that you want to hear us talk about, please comment and let us know. And thank you so much for all the love that we have been getting. We've gotten so many subscribers lately for our, our new little channel. We are so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you to our friends and family that have been supporting us lately. We have recognized it and we appreciate it and we love you all. We look forward to having you back next time, every Tuesday. True Horror with Wolf and a Mummy.